Before we get into today's episode, I just want to talk about being a working mom for a moment. Before the pandemic hit, I was honestly struggling to juggle it all. Getting up, getting ready, getting Milo up, getting him ready, getting both of us out the door, rushing to daycare, leaving him in the uncertain care of a stranger, then sitting in the stresses of rush hour traffic, paying for parking in the garage of my downtown high-rise office, skipping lunch, and then leaving early just to be able to pick him up from daycare on time. Corporate finance didn't match me as a solo parent, and that's why I chose to build my own home bookkeeping business. You might not be in the exact same situation, but whatever your need for flexibility is, I created the Home Bookkeeper Masterclass just for that. Professional and lifestyle flexibility. My course is now, for a limited time, being offered for only $99. In this course, I share everything I've learned about building and scaling my very own remote home bookkeeping practice. Enroll now at edjconsultinggroup.com under resources. We're back with another episode of Mommy Wines with your favorite wine mom, Emma Dawn. Tune in while she shares her motherhood experiences, introduces you to motivational and empowering special guests, and sips away your sins in the Mommy Wines Confessional. Mom life can sometimes get lonely and overwhelming, so she created this relatable, inclusive, and supportive space for us to be ourselves. Let loose, enjoy a glass of wine, and laugh. Get ready for today's episode. Here's Emma. Hi. How are you? Great. How are you? Good. I just got done gardening. I took all of my little seedlings out and put them in a raised garden bed this morning. So I'm so glad you downloaded the Anchor app because if we were doing this over Zoom, you would be like, go take a shower. You're dirty. (laughs) (laughs) But I love that your um, your booking company connected us because I looked at your one sheet and I was just really interested in the bio that I read. Um, it says here that you are a spiritual life coach and you help busy professionals. And yes. that is me. So I'm so excited to hear more about you. Um, share with the audience kind of what you do and what got you started. So I am a pharmacist and a spiritual life coach. And I help people, especially busy professional and uh, sensitive high achiever, to reconnect with their own truth and to build fulfilling relationship and live authentically to themselves. Oh, I love that. We need to take a short break to talk about my favorite wine company that gives back, and that's One Hope. I'm proud to say and celebrate that One Hope Wine has reached over $6 million in donations. That's crazy. One Hope's award-winning wines are made by some of the most acclaimed winemakers in the industry. Blending traditional winemaking methods with modern techniques, each exquisite bottle becomes a catalyst for change. One Hope's commitment to high-quality wine is as important as their commitment to the causes they support. Through the sale of every bottle, One Hope has donated over $6 million to impactful causes around the world. They have built a school in Guatemala, funded over 19,000 days of clinical trials for breast cancer research, planted a forest in Indonesia, provided over 3 million meals for children in need, and found over 80,000 pets forever homes. If you're going to sip, then sip with purpose. They even just released the new tasting flights, mini bottles for you to have your own wine tasting right at home. Shop, ship, sip, one hope. 
at onehopewines.com backslash my shop backslash mommy wines. Link is in the show notes below. So my journey doesn't have really like a set start. <laughs> it was more of a gradual, but uh, one of the catalyst event that set it off was years ago when I was in uh, pharmacy school and I was engaged at that time and everything looked great <laughs> on the outside but on the inside I was miserable but I was still in denial I didn't want to face it uh-huh. <laughs> it was just uh, one of these casual afternoon after a, a test and gearing up for another one I was just uh, relaxing with my best girlfriend and she would just commenting uh, that she wanted the relationship just like mine, very lovey-dovey. And I was like, it wasn't that great. It was, I don't know, I had to play, <laughs> I had to play this perfect role of a girlfriend. So it looked like that, but it wasn't that great. I don't know what you're talking about. And, <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, what? And, and then I feel like, you know, that's kind of my dirty secret coming out. But then immediately I would just brush it off and like, well, you know, I'm probably just having cold feet. It's, it's fine. Don't don't worry about it. Um, but then my girlfriend had the inside to just like asking me deeper, like, no, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean you not feeling like it? Was it not going well? And I was like, well, everything is going well, but I don't feel that it's going well. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've all been there. Yeah, so I was just very miserable and I was just telling her like, okay, so actually uh, I opened up and talked to her about my past, how I, when I first came to the US at 16 by myself, I was very depressed and very isolated and I got into a lot of relationships that I shouldn't be in and then afterward, I just think that I couldn't deserve any happiness because it was like just an act that I just get into all these kind of relationships so I was just waiting for bad karma to hit me <laughs> they're like waiting for the other shoe to drop and it took me a very long time to realize that I really hated myself I had no self-esteem left I couldn't see anything about self-worth and I was just hating myself. And I was telling her that, that I don't know if I deserve any happiness. I feel like I have to work hard to earn it um, because I was such a bad person because I got into all these relationships before and I wasn't very honest. And the beautiful thing about that is when I became vulnerable, um, my, my best friend also became vulnerable herself and shared with me my, her own past. And I was, you know, still adamant that she is a sweet person and she deserves everything good. And a few months later, while we're driving along, um, most of our most of our insight come when we're alone. So which is <laughs> rare for me at that time when I just schedule pack to pack with school and work and uh, being with my uh, then fiance. So one of those days I was driving along and um, and that I had an epiphany that if I just switched place with my best friend and did everything she did, I would never even consider to even think of her of anything less. So I realized that I was just being too hard on myself um, for more than a decade. I just really hated myself for some mistake I did when I was young. Um, so I decided to forgive myself and that kickstarted everything of my own inner journey. Um, once I forgive myself, the relief was like overnight when it wasn't just me, which is a mistake. And when I have the courage to face that nothing is working out in my life, I was just very miserable. Um, I just had to take a hard look of what I actually wanted and what is aligned with me and my truth and what's not. And so I broke off the engagement. Um, I still pursued pharmacy. Uh, because I like medicine. And even though on the outside, my life didn't change too much, minus one relationship, but everything changed inside. And after that, uh, after that, uh, when I get started, after that, I met my teacher to teach me meditation. And I have changed ever seen. <laughs> so do you think you could have 
grown so much personally if you would have stayed in that relationship? Or do you think your breakup really kind of uh, catapulted that kind of inward focus on your own personal growth? I would never grow. Really? If, if, if I would stay in that relationship because I was keeping in denial. And that breakup, um, even though I initiate, it's still very painful. I think every yeah. breakup, no matter who, no matter who initiate, uh, still very painful. And uh, we invested so much time and our effort. And uh, one thing or not, we care about the other person uh, in some way or form. Um, so yeah, the breakup really helped, uh, even though it was very painful. But I think a lot of our challenges in life, um, especially for breakup, um, for career change, sometimes is is difficult. But for 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 career, it tends to be more objective. We don't associate uh, so much of our life with our career. Like yes, but it's still there is an objective for part of it. In relationship, there's so many side of us that come out, so many vulnerable side of us that come out. And so when a relationship broken up, um, we become very uh, vulnerable and honest, and that pain make us very raw and honest. And we, no matter what we, what method we use to cope, whether drowning in wine or Netflix or just <laughs> vegetate, um, or we even like try to get into rebound relationship, like no matter what we do, there is nothing we can do to um, dull that pain. Like we still feel that pain and that pain made us very honest. And that's why the breakup really uh, catalyst to break, to break me open and to actually take a look at myself. If I never broke up, no, I would never have never grown. I can't even dream of the level of growth that I can have. See, yeah. Yeah, I, t- I totally understand that because I'm a single mom and there have been times where I thought about getting back together with my son's dad, but it wasn't because I wanted to. It was because I thought like I needed to mm-hmm. and or I was in a position where it would have been very convenient to my life. And luckily, I didn't go down that road because now... I have done so much self-growth and so much like discovery and just learning who I am and what I want to be. So yeah, I totally understand that because I feel like you really have to sit with yourself to do any kind of personal growth. And and you don't have to like, you know, end a marriage or like end your relationship. I think you just really have to like look really deep inside. Yeah. I've kind of learned over the past couple years because I've done a lot of self-discovery, especially through the pandemic, because you have no other option <laughs> but to like sit at home with yourself, you know, and if somebody went through the stay home and didn't mm-hmm. do any kind of self-discovery, I would be really confused. I'd be like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> I had nothing to do but sit at home with myself. <laughs> um, well. I think it was kind of hard. Everybody have different circumstances in the pandemic. Um, even if you were just sitting by yourself at home, sometimes uh, the mental health is very different picture for every uh, every person. So sometimes it was just enough to just get through the day. Um, I understood that back then when I was very depressed. So even though I did was I had all the free time, I didn't discover shit. So. <laughs> But um, I would say uh, a lot of my uh, clients were single parent, uh, especially single mom, and it's very rough. And the idea of getting into a relationship was very tempting. Uh, for women, there's an extra pressure, uh, either subconsciously or very, very obvious from family and society to just, um, you know, get remarried again and find a partner to share a life with and to basically help with the responsibility. Um, but if we, if we got into a long-term relationship, especially intimate relationship, for any reason, like convenience, or like just because we, uh, we are expect to, or just because we should, 
uh, then that relationship would not be fulfilling and it will fall apart sooner or later. Um, yeah. We, we entering it for because of fear. We should enter it because of love, not because of fear. And so that our intention wasn't right at the right place, then our relationship would not be helpful for us. It would just be one of the patterns that we keep repeating. We'll get into a relationship that was that we should not be into. And it will keep continuing on as like a vicious cycle. Um, but when we have the courage to be on ourselves, and uh, like most of my clients discovered that after that, the they opened their eyes so much that the relationship, it was only like a part of them, but any kind of intimate relationship they got into was so much more fulfilling and such deeper connection. And that would not happen if we had no idea who we are. If we completely lost ourselves, we don't know what we're looking for. Then we oh, definitely, then we wouldn't find what we, what we wanted. Yeah, definitely. I'm so glad that like, I'm, my son is about to be five years old this year in September. And I feel like I have just reached the point of like being really comfortable enough with myself. Um, and I'm starting to go out in to the dating world again. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I've really noticed is that this time of this time around, I'm dating more out of want other than dating out of need. And, but one of the things I'm kind of struggling with and why I'm really excited to talk to you is because I noticed here that you have a big focus on busy professionals and I have, I'm a single mom and I run my own consulting business, EDJ consulting group, and I have my podcast. So I'm really busy. So how do you kind of work with your clients who want to do, you know, the self work and find, you know, focus on themselves personally, but are just so busy. Because when I look at lifestyle gurus and spiritual coaches on Instagram or on YouTube, I see them, you know, meditating for hours a day and going to yoga classes <laughs> and, you know, meal prepping for four hours on a Sunday and doing all of these things. And I'm like, I would uh, love good to for them. Nobody that. got time for that. Okay. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I would love to do that. But I'm like, you have nothing else to do but that because that's your job. And like, I have so many other things I have to do during the day that I'm like, I... I I sometimes feel a little bit discouraged because I'm like, I just don't have the time to do that. And then when I do have the time after my son goes to bed, it's like at the end of the day and I'm like exhausted. Yes. (laughs) So so how do you kind of focus your work on busy professionals? Because I am also one. I am also a busy professional. And I don't get no time to do three-hour morning routine every day. It's not possible. It's just not I don't possible. know who does. <laughs> like, I don't get, like, I, I don't have any, like, elaborate ritual that I make my client do because that's just bullshit. I mean, like, there's <laughs> probably some benefit that I don't know of, but um, there's no benefit if you cannot do it. It would just, it would just, if, I think that, uh, for spiritual path, in order for it to work for you, you have to get uh, it. Have to work for your life. You know, you can you cannot just not everybody can change their life completely to follow a spiritual path. That's not how it works. Uh, we have our own life and our own responsibility, and we cannot just drop everything to just do that. Um, so. So I am one, so I am uh, really <laughs> understand that kind of schedule. And but I'm also like a high achiever. So when I set to do something, then I would do it. So that's why I tend to work with. I think most busy professional are kind of high achiever that we tend to finish our tasks. That like we kind of go getter. We don't just wait for things to just drop into our lap. We actively go pursue it. And that drive was actually very helpful. So in my work, I don't give them any kind of ritual to do, zero. Um, the only thing I ask them to do is to do uh, meditation 
or mindfulness, if they um, not aware of how to do meditation, then I would teach them. Um, and the meditation I ask them to do start out literally five minutes a day or even less, depend on their lifestyle. But the point is, was the point of meditation is not for them to get enlightened, but it's to increase their awareness. And that's more like a foundational skill that you just try to get the practice in. And no matter how busy you are in your day, you probably can squeeze in five minutes. Um, I would tell I would tell a lot of the single mom like if you cannot find zero minute in your day, try to do it in your shower. Like you can do meditation anywhere and anytime, and with whatever you're doing, you don't have to sit on the cushion and just zen out. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> you you know you have to be connected with real life. So if you cannot find anything, do it in the shower, uh, even for five minutes, and that will help. And um, so once. And then most other work contain is reflection and writing. And usually it's going to be like one or two hours a week. So if they can find time for that to do, then that will be a great work to do. Um, but there is some time that you have to set aside, but it's not like so unmanageable that um, a basic professional can do it. Um, most of them find that reasonable. If I have like a longer homework, then usually I schedule integration week during my uh, program. So when there is like a bigger homework or assignment that need more time, if it need more than if it is more than two hours, then that that usually the time that instead of having like a live session with me, that's a time that they have off so they can uh, do that so they can do that assignment. Um, but yeah, so it's everything like integrated into my own schedule when I work with a client. So either they have live session with me, or they're going to do their assignment. Um, aside from those time, which is an hour a week, then they're going to do some meditation, which is like as much as they can master, probably five minutes a day is sufficient or um, some writing. So it depends how people write, but it's not like you writing an essay for a college that you have to follow a guideline. You just <laughs> let your thought flow. So people, people can, you know, let it speak to word in their computer or they can write. And some people find it like most of them, even the slowest, going to take it under an hour. Uh, but it can be more because it's very relaxing. So it all depends on their time. But then it needs some like um, a small amount of time commitment because you you kind of need to focus on yourself. And it's hard when you doing all have other tasks to to be alone. Usually those insights come when you are alone and calm down a little not so hectic with everything else. So there is some time that you need to commit to set aside for spiritual growth, but it's not like, it's not like three hours, you know, so. Yeah, I just started a, a journal. Um, I want to say it's like a gratitude journal where mm -hmm. I write down in the morning the things I'm grateful for, kind of start my day off positive. I write down three things that I want to achieve today. And then at the end of the day, um, I kind of like do like a reflection, like, did I achieve my tasks? It, you know, what yes. happened during the day? What are some positives? What are some things that kind of didn't go right? Um, and before I used to be like a social media addict, I would just sit at my table in the morning and drinking my morning coffee and scroll Instagram. But now I do my gratitude journaling. And yes. um, just kind of like doing a little bit of those swaps. I'm very new. I just started like a couple weeks ago. Um, but I'm like, it's kind of putting my mind, I guess, in the right position in the morning. And then when I do my reflection at night, I would normally put my son down and like collapse on my sofa and watch TV. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like, finally, the day is done. <laughs> I had so, a little bit of peace. But now I've kind of done my reflection at that time instead of immediately turning the TV on. And I'll kind of like sit with myself for a couple minutes. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, like I'll turn on my show or pour a glass of wine. And it's not like I don't watch TV ever because some of the, you know, coaches and gurus that you people see online like they're like oh we 
we're only on our phone an hour a day or we completely gave up TV. And I'm like, I can't give up TV. (laughs) I can't give up the real housewives. Like, (laughs) No, no, no. In I think in this modern age, nobody can give up modern technology. So that is just out of touch with reality. It's not not possible. Um, and what what so sparked me about um, having you on the show is that, like you said, you are a fellow busy professional. And I feel like okay. it's so much easier to have someone understand you when they are, have similarities and things in common. And like with you, like you kind of know the hectic day to day. But also high achievers, like you said, are people who are go-getters and they're really good at um, either multitasking. I know like there was a couple times when I started my journaling and I didn't get to it in the morning to write it down and me and my son had to go somewhere. So I would turn on Siri in my car and like just say my gratitude and like say my tasks that I wanted to accomplish that day. And like have Siri save it in the notes on my phone. Yeah. And then when I got home, I would write it down, you know, so yeah. I could, because I'm OCD, I got to keep my pages in my journal <laughs> accurate. But <laughs> yeah, so I think the thing about high achiever that's really helpful is like, once we know a motivation of doing something, like no matter how we do things, we will set it done. Um, the point is to get it done, not to in any particular way of doing it. Like as long as we accomplish the task, then it's fine. And I, th- I think VC professional is also good because it's realistic. It's make us not separated. Um, it's easier for us to just incorporate our growth into our daily life and just integrate it for the long term. Instead of, let's say, let's say if it was somebody else, they have, let's say, take a break in their life and go for this very intensive uh, learning or teaching. And uh, then they come back to their practical life, you know, back to their real life. You cannot be, I don't know, not everybody can just quit their life and be a guru or yoga or, you know, <laughs> go, go, go become a yogi, every, everyone. So after some time, whenever you take that big break to learn spirituality you have to come back to real life and there's gonna be such a hash reality like crashing down on you and it's so easy to lose uh, and to lose a lot of things that you already practice um not easy to incorporate in a busy life but if you're starting out um having your spiritual practice in your daily life then it's easier to carry it on you just move on top of it you don't you don't, you don't, this, there's not a disconnect between your, your current life and what you learn in spirituality. Um, so that's what I find an advantage. And uh, bravo to you to start doing a journal, gratitude uh, journal. It's not, uh, it's not an assignment in my program. I don't even ask people to do journal because I don't do journal. So, <laughs> so like, uh, like, uh, but um, yeah, but it's actually have scientific evidence of actually increase your uh, positivity and well-being. So kudos to you. Thank you. It's I got it off of Amazon. <laughs> I just mm-hmm. like searched Amazon. Um, and I was reading in the summer, in the winter, I binge watch TV. That's like my thing. But in the summer, I like to get outside, set my hammock up. Um, and that's when I do like the most reading. And so I picked up a couple books off of Amazon. And one of them was one of the secret books, Magic. Mm-hmm. And it talked a lot about gratitude and, you know, just putting your headspace in a positive light. And the more you know, negative thoughts you have and the more resentment you hold on to, the more you're going to like attract that negativity and the more positive vibrations you put out in the world and the more positive things that you focus on and hold on to, the more you're going to kind of notice those things. Um, and oh, being a single mom and living so far away from my friends and my home and my family Uh, I like I was holding on to like a ton of resentment and negative feelings and I'm trying to be better (laughs) that's Mm -hmm. all we can do as humans right right I think Uh, 
And I, I think it's honestly helping. I thought it was a little woo-woo in the beginning, but I'm like, wow, like I'm kind of really noticing a difference. Like yeah. me and my son are getting along, you know, better. He's not having as many tantrums because I feel like he's not feeling my negative energy and more good things are happening. I don't know if more good things are happening or if I'm just noticing more good because I'm not focusing on the negative, but Either way, I'm happy with it. So I think it's it's super easy, and I like doing it, and it yeah. keeps me off of social media. Because <laughs> over the pandemic, I have become so addicted to scrolling social media. I'm like, it, like, annoys me. I'm like, why am I doing this? <laughs> yeah, like I yeah. keep going back to it more and more. So I'm trying to find more things to keep me offline, like my journaling um or we started a garden and things like that because I'm like I cannot I looked at my phone and it said one day that I spent eight hours on my phone I'm like that is insane (laughs) I think there should be a balance um so there's some there there is a place for us to like just wind down and vegetate our brain out a little we cannot just always, you know, make our brain working so hard, either, yes. you know, <laughs> contemplating spiritually or thinking of other things about planning of the future. So there, there needs to be a balance. There is a time and place for that. Um, gratitude is very important. It's not about raising your energy and vibe to attract a lot of good things in your life. But if there, but it's very good to develop your gratitude uh, because you would start seeing a lot of, um, first of all, gratitude time to uh, immediately calm your system down. So like if you work with people and dealing with someone positive and nice and calm is always so much more pleasant and you can, you, you tend to, you know, like help them out more compared to, let's say you deal with very irritated customer or you deal with very negative person. It's just, so it just kind of makes sense that we, you know, the more positive we are, the more positive things come to us. It just, um, you know, it, as a human basic level, uh, it's very natural for us to respond better to someone that is positive and is nice and is calm than someone that always negative and always irritated. It's, it's very hard to work with that kind of energy. Um, yeah. So gratitude is one of the like the best way, uh, one of the best. If you only have one prayer, it's, it should be thank you. It should be gratitude. And uh, that's really helpful. But it's help you go so far, but not getting help to the root of the problem. Because you there is like certain pattern in our life. And some of the, a lot of them uh, came from our, not only our circumstance, our life circumstances, but also from how we get brought up. And a lot of that are our unconscious belief that just got ingrained in us without our control. And we just operated under those beliefs and we just never really think about it. So on our life, sometimes a lot of things happen according to like patterns, like we attract certain kind of relationship or our job certain kind of go this way or our money habit tend to you know, we might get a lot of money in and then just bleeds out. It's just leaking out all the time. So there's a lot of those kind of patterns that set in an unconscious way that no amount of gratitude kind of reset it. We have to become conscious of it. So that the importance of having um, any kind of awareness developing. So gratitude journal is actually one of the um, one of the way to increase your awareness. So that help you to start recognizing things, start recognizing the pattern. And we, if we have in our courage, we can face it and actually dive deeper and to find the root of the problem um, to reset the pattern. Uh, because we cannot use gratitude to just suppress it. Um, if we have any unprocessed emotion, unprocessed anger or resentment, um, we don't, we, we cannot use just like, positive to 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 suppress this um it does not like it's similar with like when we grieving for something nice word not gonna help us feel better in the end uh, we do need to process it and it's not a pleasant feeling it can be difficult um 
but it's necessary uh, if we want to change at the root of things. And not only that, we will set an example for our children later. It's like we understand so deeply. Uh, we we change at the person from the inside out and our future generation will actually thank us because we do those kind of the wound and those kind of patterns so they don't have to repeat it. So it's very helpful for that one. If we, you know, like when we go deeper into spiritual growth, so. They better thank us because it's hard to raise tiny human beings. <laughs> yes. One of the most difficult tasks in life is actually patenting it's not anything else it's actually patenting because no matter what you do you're gonna affect your children there's no way around it uh good thing you do or bad thing you do anything will affect your children but um i would say i would say this uh when i talk to a lot of single mom when they're freaking out about i'm, I'm ruining my children i'm traumatizing them um, <laughs> <laughs> like your children go through you, you know, like, of course you have, um, okay, so this is get a little bit weird. like there's, of course, like a soul contract that you got going to have this kind of parenting children relationship, but you are not responsible for your children's life path. They have their own life path. They all have their own lesson to learn. And even if you try so hard, you, you probably won't be able to take off them. Um, so like, just like when you have your children, no matter how well you teach them, no matter how strict or how disciplined you are with them, they have their own personality, you know, like I'm sure no parents want their Definitely. kids to be, to be so stubborn and talk back to you or whatever. <laughs> they come here with their own personality, you know, like we don't have any way of do that. So we can only be example, um, Treat them with, you know, like with love and care and stuff like that. We do the best we can to support them, but we are not, we're just not responsible, let's say, you know, for our children's actions, for our children's life lesson in life. And it sounds irresponsible, but it's actually true. Like if you're looking at, um, maybe they not like at, at your kid, like five years old, like, okay, you're just responsible for your life. It's, it's not like that. You know, we still have to, <laughs> like, this is too young out of age. But I mean, like, even at they, when they get grow old, you know, when they grow older, uh, a teenager or a young adult, um, if they make mistake in their teenage life, in their young adult, or like, you know, like how people in as adult age, they become alcoholic or a drug addict or do something bad. You know, let's say somebody robbed the bank. Do you think their parents responsible for the action of robbing the bank? Of course not. Oh, no. Right? right. So there is a balance between, you know, like we try to do everything for our children and feel responsible for everything in their life. Um, but we actually not, you know, we can only do the best we can to support them. And the best thing we can do is actually heal ourselves. And our children, as they grow up, their awareness is going to recognize that. They're going to know more about it. And they will see us as an inspiration, as a real-life proof that things can change. You know, like, when, especially when, uh, like, let's say first generations in America, immigrant, whatever, uh, when they make a breakthrough in the family, that's why when somebody, like, first goes to college in the family, or first achieve like a milestone, very different from the family, they become a beacon in their family for generation, for future generation to come, just to show that it is possible, just to show that, okay, like this is like an example and like a real life inspiration for them to strive for. So the best thing as a parent to do is to support our, our children as best that we can, uh, give them the space to grow, and know, you know, know there's a balance that we cannot be responsible for everything. Uh, we wish for it. We wish they don't have to suffer any, you know, difficulty. But it's not like that in life. They, they have to go through their own challenges. So we just have to support them um, the best we can. And, and yeah, the best thing we can do is heal ourselves. And a lot of that will come up. Like our children will notice. Our children will notice when we, you know, like our children can notice when we're in the mood, you know, when we're in the irritating mood or if we like in good mood. So, so when we feel ourselves, there is a shifting us 
that even if our children cannot quite understand it yet, but they will notice it uh, in the subconscious way. And as they grow older, they will, when they have more life experience, and that's when you be more open, you're not going to talk to them like they five, you know, you talk to them <laughs> as an adult, then, you know, as more equal. When you're able to share those kind of life difficulty and challenges and what led you to all this kind of personal growth, they might find those kind of wisdom through you. And once you, since you already did the work, they might not have to do that work. Um, so very, what happened in my work, I see a lot is, uh, especially for women, we have a lot of generational wounds. Let's say our mom and our uh, older female elders in our house, uh, we tend to repeat the pattern, especially in relationship when we have certain kind of belief, like, um, a woman blaze or a woman world or, you know, some kind of thing like that. It, right. When it passed down to us, that one of them become a generational one. And once we healed it, um, when, when we healed it, our daughters and our, also our sons, when they grown up, they will see that we, they don't have to heal that wound anymore because we healed it already. So they will talk to us. And they will understand, okay, this kind of transformation happening, um, but they no longer have to have that kind of trauma carrying on. So they don't have that wound to go on further down generation. The stop, um, yeah, we break the pattern. We stop it here with us. So we're doing amazing work if we're just working on ourselves. I love that. As many of you know, finance is my profession when I'm not here laughing, sipping, and chatting with all of you. I have over a decade of financial industry experience, and financial wellness is such a passion of mine. Like many things in the world, finances tend to look a little differently for women, even in today's generation. Webull has simplified the stock market and investing game with an easy-to-navigate, zero-commission platform that has free, real-time quotes, multi-platform accessibility, 24-7 online help, and extended trading hours. If you're looking to increase your financial portfolio and set up your retirement IRA and start investing in yourself, click the link in the show notes below to receive two free stocks on me. Okay, wine moms, let's get serious, but just for a moment. For years, I have been dreaming up and working on putting together a nonprofit program to aid the youth aging out of the foster care system. Recently, I submitted this idea to the heads of the Department of Child and Family Services here in my state, and thankfully, my program was approved. They saw an overwhelming need, and the Sterling Lives program is now moving forward. But to make this a reality, we will need more than the little bit of government funding allocated for these youth. Most of these youth aging out will face homelessness, addiction, incarceration, or worse. At best, many continue the cycle of negativity by entering into criminal organizations and gangs, or abusive relationships that result in unwanted pregnancies, poverty, unsafe work trades, leading to even more children entering the foster care system and families living off government welfare. To break these chains and end the cycle, the Sterling Lives program is dedicated to helping aged out youth transition into healthy, productive adults, granting youth eco-friendly and affordable housing, safe work opportunities with flexible schedules to prioritize mental health, education, and job training, all while boosting America's rural economy with sustainable, environmentally focused tourism. Ways you can help are by snagging up some MWP merch, drinking One Hope wine, and donating directly at the Sterling Lives GoFundMe. All links are in the show notes below. Oh, Sorry, I forgot that this was a podcast for a second. I'm like sitting here thinking about like and like digesting everything you said. And I'm like, wait, sorry, this is audio. I got to talk. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just like sat there and like kind of dozed off, like not like dozed off, but like kind of was like really like listening hard and digesting everything that you said. 
Yeah, yeah. Most of my uh, most most of my friends and clients sometimes they take note and then they <laughs> they try to talk to me like, oh, remember we talk about this? I'm like, nope, I do not remember anything. <laughs> <laughs> they will take like give, give you like the screenshot about text chat or something like that. And I'm like, oh, that was uh, I, a lot of my so the funny way I work is a lot of my wisdom come out in conversation. <laughs> I, I cannot just like sit down and like think formally of what I want to write and write an essay about it and be very coherent. So, <laughs> <laughs> so like come out of conversations or like I'm like just dishing out this kind of wisdom and then um yeah then some of my uh, former client or my friend they would just like take a screenshot of our text conversation and save it on their phone, which is which is kind of it's very moving when they show me that. Um, I didn't know I make that kind of impact in their life, but um, but yeah, sometimes it's uh, you know it's one of those words, right? Like even just like my conversation with my best friend years ago, talking about that, and it wasn't anything kind of grand. It was just very casual, very uh, about vulnerability, about ourselves, and about what we think, and it was just that feeling. It was just like once they once our eyes are opened. We won't get back, you know. You know, yeah. uh, that's one other thing of spiritual growth. It's not like um, so; it's different level of growth. And so, like one of the good level that everybody like is like when we get to a certain level, just like when we open our eyes to things. Like once we know the Earth is round, we're not gonna go back and say, "Okay, the Earth is flat," kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> so like, so like, like there's a certain knowledge. Right, once we know it, we don't go back to be confused as before. So similarly with spiritual growth, like let's say when for me, what happened for me was uh, when I self forgive myself. I don't go back to become very confused about like losing completely who I was anymore. You know, there's still gonna be bad days and hard time and challenging coming up. Um, but, um, but you know, that when we get right to a certain level, we're not going to relapse to whoever we was before when we were so lost and confused, you know, we're going to have our new challenges, but we're not going to be completely lost like before. Um, so those kind of vertical, like there is like certain thing, certain step, certain level, I guess. Um, I don't know how to find a better word for it, but once we get to those, we don't fall backward. It's like uh, it's similar with our well-being. Like once we let's say let's say for someone let's say once they found their passion or their purpose, they don't go back to relapse when they were very confused and very unfulfilled, and then they don't know what the hell they're doing with their life kind of thing. So like once you have that kind of recognition or wisdom about yourself, you don't just back to being in the dark. Um, but also spiritual growth is a spiral process. So it's, I guess it's like a funny paradox one. Um, so like when we go on healing and sometimes we think that we heal something, you know, like, especially for anger, um, especially with relationship, when we tend to have certain kind of trigger and we feel like, oh, we were so long and we feel so good. And we're like, yeah, we completely heal everything. We are a new person now. And then something <laughs> happened and we got triggered and we're like, shit. So Ugh, I feel like anger has to be like the strongest emotion because it's one of those things. It's like a little annoying. I don't know. Like it's one of those things that kind of just like nips at your ankles and you think you got rid of it. It's like a little gremlin or something. You think you got rid of yeah. it and you think you're fine. And then something just like you said, like triggers or sparks triggered, right? it back up. Yeah. And you're like, you are, you're like, damn it, go, I thought I got rid of you, <laughs> go away. Yeah, so that's a very typical part of healing uh, process, like when we, if we think we heal something, but then we got triggered, so we can go deeper, deeper. So we did, we did heal a lot of things, but we just go deeper. It's just like a wound, like we, we thought like, okay, it's healed for the skin, but sometimes there's a pus coming up and we haven't drained out all the pus yet kind of thing okay this is kind of gross that, <laughs> yeah, that is medical like analogy, analogy. It's, it's thank you so much <laughs> it's very gross medical analogy but it's similar right like if we um yeah it's, it's very similar uh so it's not like spiritual growth is not like a band-aid if we treat it like a band-aid i would never get healed is right. we have sometimes i wouldn't have to be cut open which is not great 
and get all the posts out and we have this big sore on our arm um, <laughs> and then we need time for it to heal and stuff like that so it can be very unpleasant uh, especially when i work with client and dealing with um resentment on anger um it can be very very unpleasant um but you know we we did help uh when once they heal some kind of level and even when we get triggered again we're not gonna be spiraling down to like lose it completely there is a cash we are quicker to catch ourselves we are quicker like oh my god why am i angry right the moment we recognize that we're angry and we um being triggered we are not completely lost to our anger we we are we are aware of it then we not losing our control to our anger um See, I've, def- I've definitely noticed that, especially mm-hmm. like over the past year, I've done so much work on myself. Um, like now, before, if my son's dad did something stupid, I would like rage text him, yell at him, say call him an idiot or like whatever, right? I'd be like in this whole downward anger spiral and I would like totally act out now if he does something stupid I'm just like good job bro and like yeah so (laughs) so we did heal uh but sometimes we feel like we didn't heal anything because we still get triggered it doesn't mean that it go completely away you know it's a continual process that's spiraling down into you know like until we completely transform it you know so every time we get triggered we just go another level deeper so we don't uh, don't don't get discouraged. Uh, but yeah, so usually it's how that's how it usually look like when uh, like what exactly what you described, like when you recognize you're angry, like, oh, OK, you're not going to go down to like a raging path like before. But, you know, like deal with it is a much more calmer and much more wholesome. Yeah. And I used to think it was such a crock when people would be like, you know, you can't change the people around you, but you can change how you react to things. And I used to be like, no, the people around me just need to stop being dumb. But like, if people are dumb, they're going to continue being dumb. So now I've kind of like done the reflection and I'm like, well, I really did just change the way I reacted. And surprisingly, it's kind of made things a little like we're kind of on a good road right now with Mm co-parenting and I think maybe not I don't know but maybe the way I have kind of been able to control my reactions have you know maybe contributed to that a little bit so definitely contribute that um I think that kind of uh, you know it's very catchy to say it like that but it's not the full picture um we cannot we definitely cannot change anyone. We just can't. We cannot change our children. We cannot change our partner. It's just a fact, okay? We cannot change a person. Um, we don't have that kind of power. I don't, I don't think anyone has that kind of power. Um, but when we change the way we react, and I think people forget that, I guess mainstream forget to mention it. It's like we as a person and people, as people, we are human. We change constantly every day. Like me, myself, might be different to me 15 minutes ago, very different from me last year and completely different from me a, a decade ago. So oh, I, definitely. We are changing and we are growing, but the day-to-day change might be minute or many, very minor that we might not recognize it. Um, but what when we, the most of the dissatisfactions or anger coming from relationship, like, oh, why don't you change? Or why can you see it my way? Is we expecting people to be, to match the image of them that we have in our head, but it's not truly who they are. And that's where the disconnect come from. Um, so when the relationship improve, because our behavior improve, not because that we change them, the person, but because we change our perceptions and we don't expect them to change to match our version of them that we have in our head. So that's really helpful. And second of all, once our behavior change, we give them space. We're not like forcing them to change, but we give them 
you know, space and room to grow at their own pace. And so, so it's both. So not only we changing, and uh, not only just our behavior, but we are changing, and they also changing. And eventually, yeah, eventually um, we all change for the better. Uh, but if we keep forcing them towards our ideas in our head, then nobody growing anywhere. We only grow more frustrated. Definitely. Well, I've enjoyed having you on the show so much. This was such a powerful and enlightening conversation. And I'm sure my audience is going to want to learn more about you. Um, So go ahead and share with everyone where they can find you online or social media. So I have my own website that I've been revamped. So so it might look different now until, you know, the podcast live or whatever. So my website is spunkyspiritualist.com. And you can find all the information of myself on there. On social media, I am only active on Facebook. I do not have any other type of social media. So uh, on Facebook, my my page is also Spunky Spiritualist. And uh, yeah, that's where you can go find and connect with me. And if people... Mm, I have a guide, free guide, about seven steps to move on. So when things don't work out, so that's a, a good guide to download. It's have worksheets and everything that you need to process things when things don't work out. Um, also, I have like a, a blog and with a page of like, you can ask me anonymously. So if, you know, it's, I think it's very helpful for a lot of people when they don't have to <laughs> don't, don't have to show their identity and just ask anonymously. And uh, sometimes I pick one of those questions to answer on the blog. So that's very helpful if people want to get um, to know me more. Oh, definitely. Yeah, everyone go snag the free download and ask a question. And who knows, maybe your question will be answered. Yes, thank you. Well, thank you so much, Tiffany. It was great talking to you. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you, Emma. You're welcome. Have a great rest of your weekend. Wine Moms, I have a confession. Coffee is one of my major food groups. (laughs) Having my son home with me all year through a pandemic, expanding my home bookkeeping practice, EDJ Consulting Group, getting my nonprofit program, Sterling Lives, approved, beginning to homeschool, starting sports, getting roped into being a coach, It's honestly what keeps me going and retaining the little bit of sanity I have left. Coffee over cardio is my go-to lifesaver. It's owned and operated by female entrepreneur Abby Scott, and it's all carb-free, sugar-free, keto-friendly, and gluten-free. With super fun flavors like birthday cake, cinnamon bun, French toast, vanilla hazelnut, my favorite, and so many more, you honestly can't go wrong. Coffee Over Cardio has all your coffee accessories like tumblers and frothers, creamers, and my must-have hydrate. You can add to coffee or water. Upping the flavor and hydration with electrolytes. Abby is seriously a genius. Get 10% off when you use my code 10 Emma Dawn and free shipping on orders over 85. Once again, that's code 10 Emma Dawn, and the link is in the show notes below. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mommy Wines Podcast. Make sure to leave a rating and review. And don't forget, if you're listening on YouTube, to give this video a big thumbs up and make sure to subscribe. And feel free to share this episode with your friends. Be like, hey girl, just listen to this super awesome and relatable podcast from Mommy Wines. Here's the link to the episode. Have fun. You know. And to support the show and keep it growing, snag some MWP merchandise available at themommywines.com. You can also find all of my wine gadgets and my favorites right there under the shop page. For even more tipsy content, follow Mommy Wines Podcast on Instagram. 
On IG, I go live with real wine industry professionals. I try new sips, connect with all of you wine moms, and share some pretty funny memes if I do say so myself. All sponsor info and links will be available in the details below. So until next Wine Wednesday, mamas, parent and drink responsibly.